Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs in the Weeds with Valiant. That's our special segments uh, that we that we run with my co-hosts, Chris Tenaglia and uh, of Valiant, and did a good job. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough a couple of weeks ago, Chris made a special trip down to my residence to visit me brought me enough sweets to put me in a cardiac unit. And uh, I think it was intentional, by the way, for anybody listening. He you know, wanted to see that he could kill me. So it was very sweet of you. Ha! And our next guest is uh, Angel Israel uh, with Savior the World Foundation. Welcome. Greetings, greetings. Glad to be here today. Hi. Do you want to tell us about Savior the World? Yes, yes, yes. So Save for the World Foundation um, is an organization that started here in Michigan, um, and we made our way to Kenya in January of 2021, and we landed a 10-year research agreement with the Kenyan government to introduce industrial hemp from seed to shelf. So we are currently in year two, and we've been doing some really exciting things um, there in Kenya surrounding industrial hemp and awareness of what it does. And now we're looking at having one of the first um, hempcrete homes um, built in Kenya should be completed by December. So that's a little bit into Savor the World and what we do. Can you give us a little background into what can be done with hemp? Because I think uh, with the cannabis industry, a lot of focus has been taken off of hemp and, and how beneficial it is for multiple different industries and what it can be done. Like you just said, the hempcrete. Can you give us a few examples? Yeah. So in addition to hempcrete, we have the biofuel, of course, you know, that can power your diesel tractors and other different things. Um, we also have food. So food, not just for human consumption, but also animal consumption. So one of like the the big things that they're faced with in Kenya is not just like poverty with like people, but with the increase of maize, which is corn, um, they are farmers are struggling to keep up with being able to supply food for their animals. So we are partnering with Alabama State University to uh, look at some options as far as being able to use um, hemp for animal feed to combat some of the issues that are also um, in Kenya. So you have the food, um, you have plastics, you have so many, it's endless, endless, endless clothing, textiles, the fiber. Um, it's, I mean, it's a miracle plant. <laughs> what doesn't it do? Kenya? <laughs> um, now you go, Chris. Why Kenya? Um, Honestly, I really feel Kenya chose me. I went there in January 2021 on vacation with some friends. I ended up talking to some people and that turned into this opportunity of a lifetime. So it Kenya honestly was not on my radar at all. It was my first time to East Africa and um, a three week vacation turned into three months, which turned into the work that I'm currently doing there. So <laughs> why Kenya? I think it was just Kenya chose me. If that makes any sense. So, so do you feel that hemp has gotten a bad reputation because it used to be so mainstream uh, for industrial use, you know, over a hundred years ago, and then it fell out of favor. 
A hundred percent. Like being a Michigan native where, you know, I don't know if you all know, but like Henry Ford built one of his first vehicles. I think it was like the Model T out of hemp. Right. And then shortly after that, it just went downhill. And so definitely, you know, just over the last few years being in Kenya this and hearing the stigmas and like when people hear hemp, and they see me coming they they think I'm like there to ruin the country and and bring drugs or something like that. And I'm like, no, this is not what we're doing. So another part of Savor the World is reshaping what people, you know, think about hemp. And so another thing that we've, we're doing in Kenya is that we're actually working with schools and the youth to get them involved with a lot of the activities that we're doing so that people can know that this is friendly for all, you know, when it comes to industrial hemp, of course. Now, how do you uh, sustain your, your the organization? What's your revenue model? Um, so right now we have donations from, from people. Uh, we're self-funded and uh, we go after various grant opportunities. So what do you think that, uh, how hemp got such a negative connotation to it um was it the 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 drug scene or the um the the cannabis scene that kind of took that off because it seems like from what you're saying it's it, it it's almost like a miracle worker for jobs opportunities employment for all the the the, the different industries that you can possibly uh, help out especially in a, in a country like kenya but what how did that negative connotation happen because i think I don't know. I know Jeff doesn't know. We're trying to figure out where that negative connotation came from. And then how are you combating that? Which is quite a feat in itself. You know, I, I'm trying to get down to the bottom of that. I think it's a combination of like some people just truly did not want it to be in existence because of how amazing it is and the impact that it would have on other industries that it's comparable to. Um, and then, of course, I think just the stigma with marijuana and hemp and them just the same symbol, the same leaf, the same plant and people's minds just not able to separate them. Um, so something that we are doing in a campaign that we're doing in Kenya um, is one taking separating the two very, very distinctively. So we had um, we had like a stakeholders meeting. And we brought like the local chiefs, the local ministry of agriculture, the local people. And we had an industrial like our fiber crops. And then we had like a few marijuana plants growing side by side. So people could kind of see the difference a little bit. Just so, you know, seeing sometimes is believing, like knowing we can they can Google all day the differences. People can hear about it. But sometimes just like putting it in their face to say this is you know, the, the difference and then just continuing to, to educate and um, showing, you know, the, the benefits of it. So, yeah. Uh, again, do you see yourself expanding beyond Kenya in the next few years? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. The plan is to definitely expand. Um, last year I spent a month and a half um, in South America in Suriname. It's um, a tiny little country at the top of South America with about 600,000 people there. And um, they they actually have a lot of um, hemp products on the shelves, but they're all imported uh, typically from Amsterdam. 
And so I've been talking, uh, talking with their government um, about ways to begin to to introduce uh, cultivation uh, to the country and how it can um, help the people of Suriname. So definitely see myself expanding over the next few years. Do you get a lot of resistance being an American or wherever traveling foreign? Okay, so there's two parts to this. So I have to share this story. So I before I went to Kenya, I was like, I'm African American. But once I got to Kenya, I was I quick it was a huge wake up call that they don't see me as African anything. I was just straight American. There was no African American just because our skin was the same, it didn't mean anything. You're American. And so my honestly, my American card is probably what got me through the door. But when people see American, they see dollar signs. <laughs> so they don't see an entrepreneur. They don't see self-funded. They don't think that we have struggles in America, you know, so it's like a gift and a curse, if you will. <laughs> so it has its advantages and disadvantages. Now, on this show, we've had multiple minority owned businesses, women owned businesses, and we've learned a lot and understood all the struggles that everybody goes through but you're the first that we've had that had that was a minority and a woman that's been trying to pioneer through a different country that like you said it's the same race and so that's that's a real interesting scenario how can you tell us a little bit about how difficult or how easy it was being a woman in that industry trying to like you said getting in the door with as an american but also being a woman it is that was that a uh a, a kind of a crazy feat or am I out of line? Oh no, a hundred percent crazy. So it's like I'm a woman <laughs> and I'm American and then yep. I'm by myself. So I didn't have like a team or anything with me. And so it's there still. So racism doesn't necessarily exist there. Um, it's more genderism and tribalism. So as a woman with, it was just like, we hear you, but where's the man? So you're the president. Like it was like, where is the man behind you? Like, or in front of you, or it was just kind of like to see me as a woman. And then it's like, in in their culture, like I'm, I'm five, two and a half, about 135 pounds. And they were like, you need to put on weight because people won't take you serious. Like you have to be heavier in order to be like a woman leading. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you know how hard I've worked to like work out and maintain this, you know? So it, it's definitely a huge shock as far as just like the mentality there. You know, they're like, if you're small and you're a woman, it means you don't have money. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. You know, so it's well, just- That's an old fashioned stereotype. You know, wow. during my grandfather's generation, the- more overweight you were, the more successful you were. Wow. Wow. And that's, that's an old stereotype. And I'm hoping that as I gain weight, it's just making me look that much more uh, prestigious. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was what? Because it was you could afford to eat, right? Right. And when if you had money, you ate a lot. And so, you know, the impoverished were more skinny. But it's uh, it's changed a lot. And we hope it is changing. And stereotypes, you know, they're not great. You know, they're no matter what they are. I, you know, I see them all the time in business and uh, you want to break them down and you want people to be evaluated for what they do and how they perform. So, you know, I give you a lot of credit and we hope you come back again with Chris. But Angel, if you want people to connect with your, uh, with Savor the World, how would they find it? 
Um, they can go to www.savertheworld.com if they're interested in partnering, volunteering, uh, donating. They can just go to savertheworld.com, shoot us an email. Um, all our contact information is there. Fill out a volunteer form of your interest um, and someone from our team will reach out. That's great. And Chris, as my co-host uh, in the weeds with Valiant, how do people find Valiant if they want to? You can always go to our website at valiant-america.com. And my cell phone's always available, 617-462-7895. And Chris does bring the best pastries if you invite him to Africa. <laughs> go to a meeting, we get Mike's pastries from North End. I think you should bring Chris to Africa with you. He'll be a big hit. Yes, it will be a huge hit. <laughs> All right, I want to remind everybody, this is Radio Entrepreneurs. We'll continue with more stories after this break. <laughs> 